Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hi! Welcome back into the Force to Putt podcast. I am your host, Steven Serta. As always, I'm joined by my good friend, Dusty Likens. Dusty, how are we doing? Man, I'm good. Um, I discovered uh, bagel bites are still a thing at the grocery store today, so my day was made at like 11.45. Yeah. Can't ruin it. I don't know what happened, but your audio quality just got so much worse from the, the last time we spoke. And that sounds better now. Whatever, whatever you just did, it, it sounds like it fixed it. But anyways, I'm actually recording this at the studio for once instead of being at home. You're still at home. Uh, yeah, that's right. But uh, we're, we're up in the production quality a little bit this week, and we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, we're going to go over some wide receivers today uh, that we really like coming up in some of our... Uh, and some of our fantasy drafts, some guys that we hope to land on a team. But I know something you specifically want to talk about is the reports about Antonio Brown that have been circulating this week. And uh, according to NFL Network's Mike Silver, the Ravens and the Seahawks are sniffing around Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown last year was a fiasco, and because of off-the-field issues, may be facing a suspension uh, of about half a season, but... He's an exceptional talent. He's been reasonably quiet on social media lately. So teams are sniffing around. And I would keep an eye on the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Antonio Brown's been doing some off-season workouts with their backup quarterback, Geno Smith. They are absolutely interested in, in having him potentially as a late-season uh, addition. And, uh, you know, assuming there's a suspension. And the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, his cousin, uh, Marquise Brown, is on that team. They have sniffed around in the past. They are mulling that over, too. So internal discussions in both of those organizations. Keep an eye on Seattle and Baltimore. Well, Dusty, what do you think about Antonio Brown? Yeah, so I think the obvious is the fact that like he missed an entire year of football. Well, I guess he played one game with Tom Brady. The lawsuits and everything that he was facing has been apparently, you know, dealt with. It's community service, no jail time. 
I think maybe he kind of had a self-reflecting moment, maybe, where like he sat down by himself, collected his thoughts, realized that his agent left him, realized that no teams wanted him, realized that he could be making a lot of money still at a young age, and I think it took a little bit of time for Antonio Brown to just kind of really feel like, you know, what his purpose was, and I think that these reports are strong enough to obviously talk about him on a podcast out of nowhere, but I think it's also a possibility that he could be an impact on somebody's team this year as well because of the fact that, you know, he's still young. He's still one of the most talented receivers in the game, even though he missed basically the entire year last year. And that brings up the question, where do you draft Antonio Brown? You know, what do you want to do when it comes to that situation where you think to yourself, if I take him in a later round where nobody else wants to deal with him because of the people that took him last year, that got burned by him not playing, you have these people now that are just going to pass on him because, you know, fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, shame on you. And the best way that I can kind of compare this to is there was a lot of people back, I think, in like, what, 2007 when Randy Moss got signed by the Patriots and a lot of people were like, well, I picked him when he was in Oakland. He was a bum then. I didn't like him then. And then, and then all of a sudden, Randy Moss exploded on the scene. Um, now, granted, he had Tom Brady and his prime, but still, like, Randy Moss had already proven himself in the league for many, many years, and he was the best receiver, kind of had a downfall in Oakland. A lot of people kind of had given up on Randy Moss, and then, boom, you know, puts up 20 touchdowns in the next year, and a lot of people probably got Randy Moss low in fantasy. So that's kind of like where I kind of draw the, you know, the, the, I don't know, the similarities between the two, not as in the same person, obviously, but in the same, like, fantasy realm. Like, if you're going to take a, you know, a flyer on Antonio Brown and you get him in, like, the fourth or fifth or sixth round and nobody else wants to take anything on him because they don't, you know, haven't done in-depth research or listened to this fantastic podcast, then maybe that's where you can get Antonio Brown. It's definitely a boom or bust, but it's a very, very high boom possibility with the talent that he has and the ability that he can be as a receiver in the NFL. I mean, this report doesn't change anything for me when it comes to fantasy. Like, I'm not drafting Antonio Brown. I, I mean, he has to be on a team before I would even consider drafting him, and he's not a perennial first-round, second-round guy. But, yeah, if he gets signed by the Seahawks, we can talk about it because he's yeah. still an incredibly talented wide receiver. He had one of the best five-year runs of any wide receiver in NFL history. And I know he's third, I think 32 now, but he's still a talented player. And I would assume that he's still in shape because that's always been something that he's been incredible at in his career is being in tip-top shape. He's never really struggled with injuries. He's always been a dominant player when he's been able to stay on the field. But I don't trust that even if he does sign with Seattle or Baltimore, like he's probably going to miss games. He's probably looking at a suspension of some kind. So I don't trust that he's going to play every single game. And I also don't trust that he can get along with people well enough to stay on a roster. So for me, it's just I, I'm not even considering him in my fantasy drafts and, until there's something more concrete. And even at that, even then, it's a stretch for me to consider drafting him whatsoever and expecting him to contribute to my fantasy team. And I think that you hit it right on the nail when you talked about the suspension because there's definitely still some protocol that has to go through with the NFL and what Mr. Goodell thinks that he should have to sit out for his antics, obviously, last year, and that's going to happen. And, 
you know, spitballing it, you think it's four games. So, you know, are you really going to draft a guy that's a question mark that's going to miss a quarter of the season in a season that's going to be the most wild NFL season we've ever seen just because of the common uh, situation that's going on in the world right now? And what makes it also interesting is that whether he goes to a new team or not, it's going to be a completely new system. Um, I don't think practice with Geno Smith really gets you uh, really gets you sports horny for Antonio Brown, but I do believe that there will be people to think about it. And again, once more reports come out, we figure out if he's going to miss you know a substantial amount of games. If it's six games, you know, try to pick him up on the waiver wire in like week seven when everybody else is you know slacking or you've waited around long enough. So. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm like with you, man. I I don't want it on my team, but it is an interesting thing to talk about if there is a impossible Antonio Brown comeback, especially in Seattle with Russ. Yeah, and I mean, I I still like DK Metcalf. I still like Tyler Lockett, and that's the thing with that team. And though, and they already have two talented wide receivers, so I don't think that they desperately need Antonio Brown. Uh, but that. The Seahawks are a playoff team. They're not a Super Bowl team, in my opinion, even with Russell Wilson, because I still think they have a ton of holes on their roster. So I'd be more interested in him going to Seattle than to Baltimore. But, you know, Baltimore, uh, you know, Marquise Hollywood Brown, they're related. So there is a connection there. And I think that Baltimore could use another wide receiver. But they're still going to have a really good offense, and they still have one of the best top-to-bottom rosters in the NFL. And you're trying to win a championship, so why would you welcome a guy who, at one point, was one of my favorite players in the NFL, but based on all of the issues that he's had the past couple of years, why would you want to welcome that into your locker room when you're trying to stay focused, especially in, in a season that's going to be blanketed by pandemic, COVID-19, uh, you know, player protests i'm assuming and uh and something that i wholeheartedly agree with they absolutely deserve to protest and i I hope every single player in the nfl does but that's going to stir up its own controversy amongst the country and and so so why welcome an extra distraction in the locker room when you're already going to have all of that on your plate on top of trying to go win a super bowl and for you know for the ravens you're in the same conference as the chiefs right uh, but so let's so let's move off of Antonio Brown. Let's get into some other wide receivers. I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on the top guys, but I am curious. Like Michael Thomas is consensus number one wide receiver in pretty much every ranking, and deservedly so. He was incredible last season fantasy football. Um, well, that's what I was going to ask you. I would take if presented uh, with the decision in a fantasy draft, I would take Tyreek Hill over Michael Thomas, without a doubt. And it's not uh, it's not just bias because I cover the Chiefs. It's because if Tyreek Hill stays healthy and we get a full, you know, sixteen game season, I think that Tyreek Hill can be a sixteen, seventeen hundred yard, fifteen touchdown wide receiver. So it's funny that you say this because when you were talking to me earlier this morning and we were talking about what are we going to talk about on the on the podcast when we talk about receivers. The first thing that went into my head, if you you don't want to break down any discussion we had, was I told myself, try to tell me to myself that Tyreek Hill is not the most deserving number one receiver that's picked in fantasy football. And of course, like you said, I don't want to come off this podcast and sound like, well, you live in Kansas City, you grew up in Kansas City, you cover the Chiefs. That has nothing to do with it. It's, it's three real simple tactics that get me to have Tyreek Hill be the number one receiver. 
that should be taken in fantasy, and here's why. One, the guy throwing to him is 25, will be 25 years old, has a rocket arm, has a number one connection with him, and they just have that chemistry. It works. I get it. The other thing about it is there's really no run game in Kansas City like there is in New Orleans. Like I think this is going to be a blow-up year for Alvin Kamara. I know last year he struggled. I think there was a lot of injuries. I think there was some frustration with the, you know, losing his guy in Ingram and like what his new role would be. Plus, you pile injuries on top of that. But they're not gonna like the Chiefs are gonna run the ball as much as New Orleans. now New Orleans is gonna run the ball as much as a lot of people either. But the Chiefs' run pass is gonna be like seventy thirty. That's just the way it's gonna be, and they're gonna do it until somebody proves to them that you just can't stop it. And to this point. Nobody really has except for New England, and they've only done it for a half in two games. Now, other than that, the next point I have is that, sure, Michael Thomas is um, going to get a lot of catches. He's going to catch probably eight to nine balls a game on average. It's just the way Michael Thomas is. He gets seven, eight, nine grabs a game for 115 yards. But the thing is, he may not always get those touchdowns, and you're depending on Michael Thomas to get a ton of catches. The thing is, in New Orleans, they're going to throw it to Kamara. They're going to drop it off to Kamara. They're going to hand it off to Kamara. There's really just Kamara and Thomas. Now, in Kansas City, this can be like a you know a double-edged sword, but there's more than just Tyreek Hill. And they don't run the ball as much as they might in New Orleans. So the thing is, is you can't double coverage every single target Mahomes has for every play. So Tyreek Hill, you can try to bracket him. You can do whatever you want with him. He's still going to get open. And like you said... This is year five for Tyreek Hill. This is when receivers really start to separate themselves. And Tyreek Hill's speed, his new ability to be able to just, like, become one of the best route runners in the game of football. And again with Pat. Like, Drew's in his 40s. I don't know what that shoulder's going to look like in 2020. I'm dead serious. I'm not trying to, like, doubt him. I'm sure it's fine. But we all remember when Peyton came back. And it was like, ooh, it's not there anymore for Peyton. Now, again, I'm not saying that every quarterback is comparable. But when you get into these numbers of age... It is something to look at. And with Tyreek Hill and Michael Thomas, whereas Michael Thomas can have eight to nine catches for 110 yards, like that's nice. Like that's 19, 20 points in PPR, uh, full point PPR. Tyreek Hill can have four catches for 140 yards and two touchdowns like that. And that's way more than 19 points. And with him stepping up into his new role as being one of the best receivers, and if you watch him on Twitter and you you watch how he's training, I mean, he's doing push-ups with his hamstrings. <laughs> like, he's becoming the next best receiver in football, and I think it starts this year. And so, like, try to tell me why you would take anybody than Tyreek Hill if you're sitting there with, like, the sixth pick in the draft. I think that's where Tyreek Hill should go. He's that good, he's that valuable, and he has that much upside to where he just... He's better than Michael Thomas in fantasy at this point for me. Uh, and I'm not saying that he's definitively going to be better. Michael Thomas has been incredible so far in his career. He's He's got at least nine touchdowns in three out of his four seasons. He's never had less than a, a 1,100 yards on a season. But last season, he had over 1,700 yards, and he had 149 catches. They added Emmanuel Sanders. And that's going to take some targets away from Michael Thomas because Michael Thomas, they just didn't have any other consistent wide receiver to throw to. So even when Teddy had to come in last season for Drew Brees, Michael Thomas was still getting fed because they didn't have anybody else that was reliable. But I like the upside of Tyreek Hill 
because Michael Thomas is still going to be consistent. He's still going to be a top three wide receiver, and so maybe you play it safe where it's like he's, you know, he's newer, younger Julio Jones where you can still rely on him year in and year out, like twelve to 1,400 yards, you know, anywhere from six to ten touchdowns. I think you can rely on Michael Thomas for that, and I think that he will get that. But I just want as many pieces of the Chiefs offense as possible, and Tyreek Hill is going to be a key part of that offense. So I would take Tyreek Hill ahead of Michael Thomas. But I was doing that last season with guys like Odell Beckham, and obviously that that kind of blew up in my face last year where I was kind of reaching on him a little bit because I thought he was primed and ready to have the best season of his career. Didn't exactly work out. But I think that you can draft Tyreek Hill with all kinds of confidence. Um, but... Some other guys, and I, I'm going to kind of jump around here a little bit. Um, but obviously Tampa Bay is going to be, we expect them to be better, and I expect them to be a, a Super Bowl contender, in my opinion. I think Tampa Bay is going to take a huge leap, even with Tom Brady being 42 years old. But I know you're a Chris Godwin guy. I've been a Mike Evans guy. And they're both kind of drafted, you know, right now as top 10 wide receivers, both going in the same average draft area. So, uh, would you rather have Chris Godwin currently, or would you rather have Mike Evans? Because I am tending to lean Mike Evans. So, when it comes with Brady being a quarterback, I think it can be basically a win-win, no matter how you look at it. The only thing that makes me think is that injury that Evans had, like, what, in the last, the second-to-last game last year, or third-to-last game last year for Tampa, I think he, like, Blew out his Achilles or something? Wasn't that what it was? Uh, I don't. I don't remember. Exactly. Okay. Well, he blew. He, it was a terrible injury. Like he, as soon as it happened, he collapsed in the field. Was out for the rest of the season. It was a leg injury. That kind of concerns me. But I'm more of a Chris Godwin guy because I think Tom Brady's just going to try to kill people with like quick slants and quick outs. And Godwin's got a little bit more speed than than Evans, and he's a little bit younger and. You saw the year that Godwin had last year. You know how how uh, how Bruce likes to throw the ball to him, and Bruce's uh, Arians was the one that said two years ago that he could be a hundred catch, thousand yard guy. I don't think that's going to go anywhere anytime soon. So if I had to pick a side, I think I'd go towards uh, I think I'd go towards Godwin. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin both ended last season with hamstring injuries. Hamstrings, that's what it was. Yeah, so we're good with Mike Evans. He's fine. I don't think you can go wrong with either one. I still think that they're both going to be highly productive. And I know the argument with Evans is that he's more of like a downfield guy and Brady doesn't sling it anymore. Brady still throws downfield more than people realize. He just yeah. does it efficiently. And I, but, but that, that's, not, that's not a changing trend. That's how it had been in New England. Like That's why mm-hmm. Julian Edelman was, is a 100-catch-a-year you know, guy because – He's getting all the short stuff underneath and all, all the stuff that all the timing routes. And then they, they'd have other guys who were more productive as downfield threats. That's why Brandon Cooks was productive when he played for them. I think they're both going to be fine. So I, I'm happy landing either one of them on my roster. Um, another guy that we're, that we've talked about a lot and that you know I love. He's a really talented wide receiver is AJ Brown for the Titans, but he is in a run heavy offense. And right now he's going. Ahead of Odell Beckham Jr., Adam Thielen, Allen Robinson, Calvin Ridley, Cortland Sutton, DJ Moore. Like, he's being drafted in the second round right now as a cornerstone to your fantasy team. 
and I love AJ Brown. I think his talent is absolutely incredible. I think he's got potential to be, you know, a, a top wide receiver in the NFL. I have already decided that I'm just not going to have AJ Brown on any of my fantasy teams this year because I'm not willing to take him in the second round where he is going in a run first offense. Yeah, I don't know if I trust Tannehill to give him the the attention to where he can have a hundred and a thousand. Like I'm I'm with you, man. You talked me into AJ Brown last year and he he pulled my ass out of a lot of games that I needed a, you know, fill in receiver and I think this year he could move the needle a little bit more, but I'm with you, man. Like I think Derrick Henry's gonna get like twenty five carries a game as much as they can do it. And you know how Vrabel likes to coach. He's old school, you know, roughneck, we're gonna pound and we're gonna ground and pound and we're gonna grind and you know, I don't know if AJ Brown's going to have consistency enough every, week in and week out to draft him, especially that high. And maybe, maybe I'm wrong. You know what I mean? I'll admit if I'm wrong when it happens, but I'm with you. I don't know if I can gamble on a cornerstone receiver second round on AJ Brown when there's so much more like on the table. Like I would still take Odell Beckham over AJ Brown. Yeah, I w- I would too. I don't know about Thielen, but I would I would think about it. Yeah, no, and I, I love A.J. Brown. And, like, Dynasty Leagues, I'm all about it. But mm-hmm. in, in redraft leagues, like, I just don't know. Like, they, yeah, they don't have a lot of other pass catchers, and Ryan Tannehill was really good, and maybe he can, he can keep that going this season. I just don't believe that the Titans are even the best team in their division. Yeah, because what is it every year? There's like a team that makes the playoffs well, and then and finishes think, like dead last the next year. I think, year. you know, people are way down on Phillip Rivers. I think... The Colts are going to be really good, and I think I think Phil is going to look a lot better this season because he's playing behind maybe the best offensive line he's ever had in his career. I do think do you that want Phil to succeed. I mean, I'm not. Gonna, I I wouldn't say that I want him to succeed, but I, I think that he will. Like, I still think that Phil's got a little bit of a noodle arm going on, <laughs> but I, like, I don't think that Phil can sling it like he used to. He's going to do it, though. But the Colts are are a perfect team for him because they can protect him, and he can still get it downfield if he gets the time. Like, I still think that T.Y. Hilton's ready for a bounce-back season. I think Paris Campbell is is ready to take a step forward this season. Like, I I just don't think they're the best team in that division. And so, me, you drafting A.J. Brown in the second round is saying, A.J. Brown's definitively my number one wide receiver, unless you take a, a wide receiver in the first round. Like right. you're you're banking on AJ Brown being your legitimate number one wide receiver, and there's, you know, there's circumstance where I would have said, okay, roll with that in the past. Like, let's say AJ Green like had a monster rookie season. Julio Jones had really really good rookie season, and so headed into year two, you looked at those guys like those guys are second or third round picks. Those guys are cornerstone caliber players on my fantasy football time. Mm-hmm. on my fantasy football team, and you felt like you could say that definitively. I don't feel like I can say that definitively about A.J. Brown. 100% agree. Um, a couple more uh, teammate wide receivers that I want to take a look at because they're both guys that, that I really love, um, and I've talked to you a lot about them. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers are getting Ben Roethlisberger back. Uh, Ben's old and crusty, and we don't know if Ben's – going to be the the slinger that we that we're used to seeing or if he's going to be able to throw downfield at all he was dealing with like a nerve injury in his elbow which has me a little skeptical uh, Among he, other things. He, he didn't throw for for nine months uh but 
Juju Smith-Schuster is in a contract year, so he desperately needs to have a big season, needs to have a bounce back and prove he can produce without Antonio Brown lineup. And second-year wide receiver Deontay Johnson, who you know I absolutely love. Deontay Johnson's mm-hmm. going uh, way later than Juju right now. Juju is still projected as like a top 15 wide receiver, and I think that I would rather take the value of Deontay Johnson much later than Juju. Yeah. Um, boy, that's tough. I like Juju this year just because, again, I think he had injuries that, you know, consistently nagged him last year. I think the quarterback change, you know, throughout the season was crazy. Pittsburgh had a weird year last year, right? Like, they were terrible to start the season. Then they go get uh, Micah Fitzpatrick, completely turn their season around. They damn near sneak into the playoffs. And all that time, Juju was somewhat hurt. But we all know what Juju is. He can he can take a pass, and he can burn it for 80 yards at any time in any game. And he can collect a bunch of targets from Roethlisberger. Because like you said, um, the born-again Ben, I think is my new nickname for him, um, is still going to – he's like Philip, man. He's, he's, they're just going to sling it. They don't care what their arm is in. They don't know what – they don't know how or do they care – but they're going to throw the ball, and they're going to target the guys that catch the ball. But I'm like you. I think that if somebody wanted to take Juju way too high, like like you said, top 15 receiver, but you're already sitting there with good two sets of running backs. You got a receiver that you're, you know, you're pretty sold on. And then it gets down to the end of the draft, and you're like, okay, well, Deontay Johnson's still here. Like had a decent couple games last year with, you know, Mason Rudolph. I think I'd do your strategy. I think I would definitely take uh, the Deontay Johnson in the in the later rounds and try to take a flyer on Juju where you know he can be productive. You've seen it before two years ago. It's like his best year. But like you said, a lot weighs on that pick. It's a contract year. How much do you want to look into that? Big Ben's back. So it's a tough one, but I think I, I, think I side on the part of waiting a little bit later to go get a guy that can absolutely just explode on the scene and has potential to. Well, and so, but value is everything in your fantasy draft. Like, 100%. The, the, the teams that are perennially good, the guys that are perennially in the playoffs in your league, are the guys who understand the value-based drafting system, and they can find the value in a guy like Deontay Johnson later in the draft as opposed to reaching on a guy that you're more familiar with. Because there's always guys in your league who are going to go with the the names they know who aren't as well researched as you and so the way you win is by that value paying off and i think that deontay johnson as much as any second year wide receiver his value can pay off he's a very very talented player who showed it last season in flashes with mason rudolph and duck hodges as his quarterback he what he didn't even really play with ben last season and so why i think that he's go he's ready to explode is that now, Juju's a slot-wide receiver, and he was really productive in that role with Antonio Brown on the outside. I think that Deontay Johnson's just going to step into that Antonio Brown role, and Ben's just going to try to sling it to him, and, and he's going to mm-hmm. have opportunities. And he is a very talented route runner already, like this young in his career, so that's going to present opportunity for itself. I absolutely love Deontay Johnson. I'm targeting him in every fantasy league that I have. Um, and receivers always explode in Pittsburgh for some reason. Yes, they've been very good at drafting <laughs> and developing wide receivers. Um, 
But I, w- I want to stick with these kind of team groups of wide receivers and kind of how how you're looking at those guys and which guys you would like to see fall on your roster. Uh, the Bengals, we expect to take a huge step forward. Obviously, they have A.J. Greenback. You still expect him to be the number one wide receiver. Um, Joe Burrow is going to be their starting quarterback. They still have Tyler Boyd. They still have John Ross, and they drafted T. Higgins. That's a really talented group of wide receivers, and I'm interested in having pretty much any of them on my on my roster in some capacity. Yeah, I think if I had to rank them, I'd go Boyd, Ross, Green. A.J. Green's the third wide receiver you'd like yeah, to have? Yeah, because I don't... You just talked about how values everything, and I don't know how much value AJ Green has. And I think that there's a lot of people that will draft him because of what his name is. And like he missed all of last year, and I know that last year was but towards the end of if the year. He bounces like, back. He's still one of the most talented wide receivers in the NFL. That's a big if. I I just don't see how you could rather have John Ross on your roster over AJ Green. Like John Ross is like a late round flyer at best. Like Tyler Boyd's got legitimate value. Yeah. Like I put John Ross and T Higgins in the same category. I'm just afraid that AJ Green could play one snap, get hurt and it could be over again. Yeah, I mean maybe, but I uh, yeah, I feel like you could say that about anybody. Like you're certainly not drafting like if AJ Green who right now according to fantasy pros is their 28th ranked wide receiver, like his average draft position is, you know, fifth sixth round like i don't love that but if aj green's still on the board in the seventh round i could talk myself into that and i'd probably be happy about it then i would that's what i'm saying that's the value pick like i think that there are people that will take aj green like in the fourth round yeah um and i don't know if he's worth yeah, that like if he's the 28th receiver i can talk myself out all day and night to find several picks that I would rather have than I than take AJ Green in the fourth or fifth round. Now like you said, if he's there like in the seventh or the eighth, uh yeah, I would probably think about it. Yeah, I mean I I like Tyler Boyd, but I'm expecting Tyler Boyd's target share to go down. So I'm actually I think that a lot of people are going to take him banking on his past couple of seasons. I think that he's a really talented player. Uh, but just with all the added weapons, I expect Joe Mixon to be much more heavily mm-hmm. involved. Like I think AJ Green and T Higgins is a guy that I'm interested in. I don't know how much impact he's going to have as a rookie, but I would have to think that the Bengals are expecting him to be a big part of their future. So I think that he's a guy that like maybe you don't draft him, but he's probably going to be available on a lot of waiver wires. So he's a guy to definitely keep an eye on. Um, and then the Dallas Cowboys have a fantastic group of wide receivers. Amari Cooper is going to be the number one there. But Michael Gallup coming off of a very strong season, he had over 1,000 yards. He took a huge step last year and looked really good. And then they draft CeeDee Lamb. Um, So obviously you want Amari Cooper on your team. I tend to avoid Amari Cooper because I think like of the top 10 wide receivers, he's obviously a really talented player. But I think that no player disappears more often than Amari Cooper. In big Correct. games and going against the toughest competition, he tends to just disappear. But he, he does have those explosive games. Um, I really like Michael Gallup, and I think that he he should be drafted on a lot of fantasy teams. Uh, but I'm struggling because I just think that CeeDee Lamb is arguably the best rookie wide receiver out there, and he's going to have 
a ton of opportunity with Gallup and Cooper taking coverage away from him. Yeah, I... Man, I, I don't think we can ever get over that feeling of Amari Cooper and the disappearing act that he does. Like, he does Houdini it several times throughout the year, and he's done that every single time he's been a pro. So that always scares me. It's like the same thing as saying, like, Keenan Allen. Like, you just you want to draft him because you know he's going to have a ton of targets, but, like, you just never know when Keenan Allen's going to get hurt and go away for, like, substantial amount of time. Same with Amari Cooper. It's not that he gets hurt. It's just like something goes through his brain where he's just like, you know what? Going to take week seven through ten off. And I'm not saying I'm I'm obviously you know being sarcastic, but I'm like you, like I'm you know they have a good rookie draft and a receiver. They have a good second option. Dak's definitely going to keep slinging it. But if this was the year that I was going to draft Amari Cooper, I think this is the one that I would finally talk myself into it, where I'd be like, okay, let's look around the draft board right now. It's the you know what do you. What do you think he goes, like, late second, mid-third? Amari Cooper? Yeah, or is he a top? Um, I mean, He's a second-round pick. Yeah, so, and like, I think he's, like, a... Most, mo- most formats, he's second, third, yeah. Yeah. So, like, that's one where, like, you really have to, like, value that, because he's going to be in that discussion of, like, do you take this on a rookie here, or do you want to go with a veteran like Amari Cooper, who could be a fun fa- uh, target for uh, Dak Prescott? Well, and I'm like you. I just always get nervous with Amari Cooper. So I think that I had to. Ah, man, that's such a tough choice. I think that he's really good, but C.D. Lamb's a guy that I'm going to be targeting mm-hmm. in a lot of my drafts, and because especially like where where he's going, like you can grab another running back right there and still get a a potential top end running back, and then in the next round you can still get a Calvin Ridley, Cooper Cup. Cortland Sutton, like guys that I think are Correct. all on the rise and that are all going to be highly productive this upcoming season. Like Cooper Cup you, last season for the first half of the year was the best wide receiver in fantasy. And, and he, he kind of fell off and went silent towards towards the middle of the season, but that was because the Rams kind of changed their offense and they started running more and Jared Goff was just awful. But like Cooper Cup's still a really talented player and he's a guy that I'm going to be targeting because he's got decent value, and it's the same thing with Cortland Sutton. Like Jerry Judy's not that far off average draft position from Cortland Sutton right now, and it doesn't really make sense to me because Cortland Sutton's the number one wide receiver on that team. Mm-hmm. That's another one of those team, you know, receiver things. Though is that Cortland Sutton's there, Judy's there, Noah Fant's there. There's a lot of target action in Denver, and I don't need to keep going on my man crush on Drew Locke, but again, speaking of a guy that's going to sling it and find targets, I mean, obviously, I think you and I both have our our position where Cortland Sutton is. Like, I would take Cortland Sutton as, like, if I have the number one overall pick, I know that all the top receivers are going to go, so that if I'm picking again at, what is that, 24? I don't know if Cortland Sutton's there at that point, but if he is... Without a doubt, no hesitation, I'm taking Cortland Sutton. And the, uh, yeah, no, I, I absolutely love Cortland Sutton. I, lo- I love Jerry Judy, too, but Cortland Sutton's a guy that I'm heavily targeting because he's another one of those value-based guys who the, the value's just there. Um, right, he's not a rookie. He's seen the league. So, Devontae Parker coming off the best season of his career, and it's not even close uh, right. for the Miami Dolphins. They still got Fitzmagic. They got Tua now. Uh, hopefully we see Tua at some point, but I'm fine with Fitzmagic just slinging it next year. 
Hopefully Preston Williams will be back and healthy because I think Preston Williams is a really talented wide receiver, and we saw some flashes of him as a rookie. Um, I'm on board with the Dolphins' offensive weapons. like Because the Dolphins, there's value in every single key Dolphin this season because people are looking at them like, oh, they're the Dolphins. They're terrible. And I love every move that the Miami Dolphins made uh, in the draft with the trades, with the players that they signed. Like, I love everything that the Dolphins did. I, I'm on board with the Miami Dolphins this season, and I think a lot of people are shying away from them in fantasy because of because of the reputation of being the Dolphins, and I think that's ridiculous. Do you trust that Parker can do it again? No. Yeah. But he's got value where he's being drafted. And Where's he at? I, like I, will, I will take – I mean, he's like – He's like the 21st rated wide receiver right now, like coming off the board in, I don't know, the sixth round. Yeah, that's about where I think I had it. I don't, man, I don't trust it. I think Parker's a guy that, you know what I think Parker's season's going to be? I think somebody's going to draft him because someone's going to, you know, remember this past season. And then someone's going to be like, well, he's only had like four catches and, you know, the most he's had is four. He's had four, three, and three, and he's only had like 100 yards once, and someone's going to drop him. And that's where I think you should pick up Devontae Parker because somebody's going to draft him higher than he should go because they're going to base his stats off last year, which is fine. It's kind of what we do here. But I think it's it about where you really, draft him at. Really and I think somebody's like, when people draft. draft guys way too high, they get frustrated. They just get rid of them because the waiver wire is so appetizing. And I think that's the best value that you can get Devontae Parker at is like when somebody decides to give up on him because I don't think it's worth a headache in that realm because that's where you're at. You know, that's where you have him at is in the same realm as like A.J. Green. So like if Devontae Parker's there and A.J. Green's there, like you're obviously not going to take Parker, right? You're going to take A.J. Green. Yeah, but I still think Devontae Parker is a talented player and like he has AJ Green type of upside. Like I, I just think that the Dolphins offensive weapons are going to be in such a better position this season. And Devontae Parker was ridiculously productive with Ryan Fitzpatrick last season. Like I, I don't right. I, and I, I'm buying into what Brian Flores is doing down there. Like I, I don't have any reason to assume that the offense is going to just drastically change all of a sudden. I, I think that they they can produce again. And so, yeah, there's there's certain situations where, yeah, I'm not going to reach on Devontae Parker by any means, but there's value in Devontae Parker because other people are being reached on ahead of him, and he's going to have a massive target share on a much-improved team. Would you rather have Devontae Parker or McCole Hardman? Devontae Parker. Parker or Watkins? Parker. Fair enough. I love I love the upside of McCole Hardman, but I just don't see how. And McCole Hardman's a guy that's going to get drafted by by a lot of Chiefs fans and way mm-hmm. overdrafted. Probably he's got a ton of talent, but he's not taking targets from Kelsey and he's not taking targets from Tyreek. So, like, what what's the highest upside fantasy season we're talking about with McCole Hardman? Like eight hundred and fifty yards and seven touchdowns. Like, yeah, that's that's great. That's serviceable fantasy production that you certainly won on your team mm-hmm. but he's not going to out snap Sammy no he, he's not he's not going to get more routes than Sammy Watkins 
on a given week. So you expect him to get more routes than Demarcus Robinson, sure. And he absolutely should get more routes than Demarcus Robinson. And McCall Hardman played a a silly low number of offensive snaps last season, but that's kind of the trend with Andy when he's bringing along these young guys. But he's not taking snaps away from Sammy. I no, think, I think Hardman's still one more year away from becoming yeah. what he can truly become. And he might he might get opportunity. Uh, you know, he should certainly be involved more in the offense. That's sure. that's without a doubt. But he's not going to take snaps away from Sammy. He's not going to take snaps away from Tyreek. And he's not going to take. And he's not going to take targets away from Kelsey. So, like, what's 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 legitimately McCall Hardman's ceiling outside of a catastrophic injury where he all 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 of a sudden gets thrust into a legitimate starting role in the offense? I think it's like eight fifty and five or five eight fifty five yeah, and like that's maybe like yeah. ceiling. So yeah, like if it's yeah. between Devontae Parker and McCall Hardman, I'm taking Devontae Parker because Devontae Parker. Is has has a chance at getting twenty five percent of his team's target total, and that's that's one of the biggest yeah. things in fantasy football, especially when you're looking at wide receivers, is just how much opportunity do they legitimately have to make plays? And Devontae Parker is going to have a ton of it. And he got paid last year, didn't he, Parker? Uh, I think he just signed like I think he signed a short term deal. I, 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 but it was a big contract. He I got a lot was, of money. I think it was a decent amount of money, but I, I don't think it wasn't yeah, like a decent. It wasn't like a. I mean, for a wide receiver, it wasn't like a a, a massive deal right. that. I, I he he played into it. He deserved it. Um, but uh, before we get out of here, uh, the San Francisco Forty ers announced uh, la- late last week that Debo Samuel broke his foot and Ooh. is expected to miss uh, anywhere from like eight to twelve weeks. If it's the full twelve, I think that puts him in what like October. So he's certainly not going to be ready for the start of the season, which borderline makes Debo Samuel undraftable at this point. Um, he probably still will get drafted because he's a potential number one wide receiver on a very good offense and a very good football team. So he'll likely get drafted, but he's a guy that is just going to plummet down draft boards, and he's a guy that you'll be able to get later in the draft and just sit on your bench. Um, but the problem is... One, that makes George Kittle even more valuable. Uh-huh. The 49ers don't really have anybody to throw to. They have rookie wide receiver Brandon Ayuk, who's probably going to climb draft boards. But other than that, I, I mean, who are you looking at? Kendrick Bourne? Austin <laughs> Pettis? Is Marquise Goodwin still with the 49ers? I think he's still there. So maybe Marquise Goodwin? He is now. <laughs> I, I, I um, You just... You just, I, I just don't see how you can draft any of those guys besides George Kittle. And it's Jimmy G, man. I mean, do you want to deal with oh. all that? And Marquise Goodwin's for the Eagles. He's not even in San Francisco anymore. <laughs> he's out. So he's, uh, he's he, yeah, he's off the table. God, Kittle's going to have 1,200 yards this year. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. But I mean, Brandon Ayuk, I, lo- I like his ability, but he's probably yeah. going to be going too high because people are going to think he's a number one wide receiver. And I'm I'm sure he's got tons of potential, and Kyle Shanahan's the best offensive mind in the game at scheming up yards and all of that stuff. But he's going to be too expensive for me. God, give me Raheem Mostert in the third. All right. Ah, <laughs> uh, he's Dusty Likens. I'm Steven Serta. Thank you guys for joining us for a quick pod this week. Uh, we will be back with some more wide receivers, more draft talk, maybe some tight ends here pretty soon. Uh, catch you guys then. Cheers.
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.